Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 209, Arya 2 in a Storm of Swords. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. And are you ready for <laughs> the Bannerhood, the fucking Brotherhood Without Banners? Shut the up. Bannerhood. <laughs> oh, <gasps> oh my god. Uh, yeah, I like that you're sticking that in now. You're never going to get caught ever again. Uh, no. Eliana's like, never my pants again. are up, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm never going to forget ever again, even though apparently some people really thought you really got them last time. Yeah, I wanted to really get y'all last time, though. It was fun. It was a very fun opening for us. We don't do cold opens ever. That was, oh my god, it's like our Game of Thrones season seven up in here. I don't even remember that far away, Jesus. <laughs> well, speaking of remembering far away, I'm going to pull an Eliana segue here and tell you that we're time traveling, dude. We are coming to you from the past in the future, if you're listening to this as it drops. It is that holiday season, that time of year, time of cheer, Yule, gay, all those exciting things, mostly gay. And we are recording a little ahead. So... If you're sending in some emails around this time, we will absolutely either try to get back with you or, you know, throw it in a later episode and come back to it in retrospect. But just a warning that we're out here in the atmosphere, you know, we're bending time and space right now. We are. Yeah. Yeah. We're like Blood Raven. This is a, we are. This will be recorded and right now where we are, and it'll be released probably in a, about three weeks and it's going to get wider gap from there. So we'll let you know the gap of time travel that's going on, because we want to keep you informed on our whereabouts here. But yeah, it's November. You'll get this in December. And Eliana, I heard a little rumor about you. Okay, that could be anything. I heard a rumor about you that you are going on Sanri Scribbles. I am. The rumors are indeed true. I'm going <gasps> on Sanri Scribbles. I escaped from River Run. Um, oh my God. I was set free, sexy, and am going going along the stream. Right, it is a stream. It will be on Twitch, and it is going to be. If you're listening to this, it's going to be very soon in uh, just a few days. It'll be December third, Sunday, December third at seven p.m. ET, Eliana time. Misleading, but Eliana time, and it will be on. Sanrixian's Twitch channel and you know I think we have a couple of fun things I know that we talked about it back then when Mallory came on for an Arya Arya chapter yeah and so full disclosure if you haven't watched one of these streams or if you don't know who Sanrixian is I don't know who you are but uh, if you don't know Sanrixian is amazing she is an artist in the community and does amazing art of her own as well as a Song of Ice and Fire fan art uh, she has amazing merch on Threadless. You have to go check it out. Mm-hmm. And I got to go up. When I went on, actually, I, I did a somewhat GGC theme. I did a Feast for Crows with them, and we drew That's a bunch right. of food. Yeah, just because I fucking love food. And we love food. It made me think of you, believe it or not, <laughs> Tear. But I, I'm really excited to see what you guys doodle. It's a really laid-back time where you guys just chit-chat. You can chat about ASWAF or other stuff, right? Like, you can talk about many different things. And uh, the co-host, Egg, 
and Emily. Yeah. They are great. They're really fun. So you're going to have a really good time. I can't wait to tune in. And I hope you guys all tune in this weekend. If you catch us in time, we will be posting about it on media. Keep your eyes peeled for a link. Yeah, I remember when you went on, you talked about the Roman Empire. And that was how I learned about that <laughs> meme later on. But yeah, so we're going to talk probably about memes as well. And come join us. Hope to see you there. With that, uh, if you're listening to this now in December, you hopefully will have heard last month's Patreon episode for Stranger Tier patrons in that $5 and up tier. Yeah, it is in The Lost Lands, which is a Grey Alice short story, part of a series that George never actually wrote the second short story for, so... <laughs> But it could still end up becoming a series now as a cinematic adaptation. It is going to, I mean, it's coming to the silver screen soon, as George says. Yeah, Mila Jovovich is supposed to be in it, right? It's supposed to be her shindig. And uh, I don't know. I, I like that. Grey Alice herself. I I'm excited to see that. I think it could be really edgy and fun. Yeah. I also just love Mila Jovovich, so... Me too. Her character in Dazed and Confused actually is me. That's me in high school. I was the girl with the guitar. I'm sorry, am I admitting this out loud? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm the girl with the guitar, so... You're the Thomas Seven Strings. Oh my god, I was. I was merry as shit, too. I uh, really was. Well, new episode this month for December, and... I'm excited about this one. We kind of talked about this one privately a couple months ago, and... Recently, a book made its way to the silver screen as well by Suzanne Collins, the prequel story for The Hunger Games, the song Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I never get that one right. I can only get one song series right, and we know what it is. Uh, a Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, the Coriolanus Snow story, and oh my gosh, it's a great prequel, and... I'm actually seeing the movie like two days from hmm. recording and seeing it opening day. So I'm really excited. I can't wait to tell you guys my thoughts on it. Probably next month we'll mention it, but we're going to talk a little bit about the first book and the first movie in the series, The Hunger Games, and uh, just chat about it. Got a little reread action going on, and who knows? It might become a series. We might talk about some of the other books, and we'll see what we get up to in that episode this month. But again, you can get bonus episodes every month like The Hunger Games or In the Lost Lands by heading over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, C-A-N-O-N. We really appreciate every single one of you that supports us. It makes it possible for us to give you weekly episodes and to time travel. It's kind of expensive, so thanks for your money. Time traveling. I really hope they think we're time traveling for real, for real, you know? Well, if you think about it, all of us are always traveling in time just a little. It's just, you know, we only go in one direction. <laughs> Forward. The band? Oh. Uh, yes. Also that, oh my god, I have, speaking about the passage of time, I have a cousin who's much younger than me. She's like, you know, solidly, solidly Gen Z, and... She was, I think, during karaoke, singing a song by One Direction or Harry Styles or something, and one of my other younger cousins did not know the song, and she was like, you don't know One Direction? I was like, do you feel old, Chrissy? Chrissy's only 18, 
or something like that. Oh my god. But the other younger cousin did not know what direction. I was like, welcome. It, <laughs> welcome. That's uh, my roommate's favorite. <laughs> one of his favorite Simpsons jokes is when Grandpa Simpson is old and he says, you know, uh, it'll happen to you one day. You know, you'll get old and you'll stop being with it and it'll stop being with you. All that stuff. It's a very funny quote. I don't know it by heart. He does. He's not out here right now. He can't tell you the quote. So you guys know the whole thing. It's a very funny quote, but that's literally what you just said out loud. It's amazing. It's going to be like that. But you know where we're not quite time traveling, where we are doing time together with everyone at the same time? Like jail? During our... Yes, sugar brunch slash happy hour, the happy hour, which this month is going to be a little bit early because, you know, as much as we think that all of you think of us as like your family that you are obligated to spend time with, you and we all actually do have family we are obligated to spend time with. So we are doing an early Patreon happy hour this month. It'll be Saturday. September 9th, 2 to 4 p.m. And Chloe, can you tell people how they can do that? Oh my god. <clears throat> yes. If you're in the Thunder tier and above, you too can get... How was it you just put, Eliana, <laughs> that uh, you also have real uh, family? You have obligated, obligated, obligatory family time. <laughs> We're learning so much. It's only been five years, everyone listening. And listen to everything you're learning about Eliana. Uh, yes, you can log on and become a Thunder Tier patron. Thunder Tier, Thunder Tier, Thunder Tier. Oh, I'm sorry, have we never done that? I don't know what that is. What? Thundercats? Oh, yeah, okay, okay, sorry. Um, okay. Yeah, you can become a Thunder Tier patron over at our Patreon. Thunder Tier patrons, $10 and up, get some little perks, like some early release and access to the Discord and access to Discord events like Brappy Hour. Ugh. Can you hear the pain in my voice when I say that? I hope everyone at home hears the pain. We play games, we chat. This one, uh, it might be a little casual. We might be on the run, so we might not have access to reindeer games, but we had some great Thanksgiving reindeer games, which now there's that Thanksgiving uh, horror movie coming out or whatever, and I'm like, aha, reindeer games. What? Yeah, look it up. But we'd love what? to see you there on December 9th. It's a Saturday, 2 to 4 p.m. ET. That's uh, coming up fast if you're listening to this. So, Yeah. Well, life comes at you fast <laughs> when you're listening to Girls Gone Canon. We got some emails and tweets and notes. You just got your job back. I don't know why you're acting out so much today. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. She's bold. Uh, hubris. She's bold. Hubris. We got an email from one of our patrons, and I love this patron. They're my buddy. They boosted our Discord. That's so fucking cool. This is our friend Sunflower Solace on Discord, and I actually really like this fucking email, so get ready. Buckle up. Sit up. You know, pay attention. Hi, c and &E. Also, they use the C and E. I want you to know, like, you know, with the ampersand, like, that's our thing. We, we sign off that way. So thanks. Cute. I was listening to this week's Aria episode and thought about the Dark Sister discussion. I'm not sure if there would be enough text for it, but maybe a future Patreon episode could be discussing what we know of Valyrian steel and its various uses in the story. You know, like all the named swords, Euron's armor. Valyrian steel swords come to be tied to house identity for the houses that wield them. 
We see ice being melted down as a nail in the coffin for House Stark. Okay, maybe you see it that way, Sunflower Solace. And Sansa's understandably upset reaction to seeing it at Joffrey's wedding is notable. There's also something Tolkien-esque, the ring books, as Chloe has called them, and the ability to forge new Valyrian steel being lost after the doom and only a few smiths left who know how to rework it. Tolkien's books deal with that theme of the weakening of magic over generations and current generations not able to match heroes of old. Just some thoughts. Thank you for reading. P.S. Rip Men Gone Canon 2023 to 2023. <laughs> I can't even get through saying that out loud without like bursting into laughter. Thank you for that. That was juicy. Perfect. Perfect. R.I.P. Men Gone uh, Canon. Very short lived run. The, the critics panned. <laughs> they were like, we like the original. No more spin off series. You hear that snow? Go snome. <laughs> Okay, but I love Houseless Dragon. <laughs> That's different. It is different. I was about to say things about Tolkien's spinoff series. I was like, we cannot get started. We, we do not have time started. for that. We do not have time. Um, we, we we do not have time. Uh, this was this is an interesting idea. I also do wonder if there's enough text for it. I think a lot of people have like made stuff, so maybe there is. As I said before, I just wish I want to see like the Valyrian steel spoon. Okay, or like the Valyrian steel dinner fork. Where is that? And that matters. Oh my to God, me. I I will say there, there are like a big amount in CK three in Crusader Kings three. There are mods that play with the Valyrian steel. You can get Valyrian steel artifacts. So I mean, I think it's possible for you. First, second off, I yeah. don't know if I would say losing. An ancestral sword is the nail in the coffin for House Stark, being as they will survive. Thank you. Thank you very much. Starkaganda on, on this podcast. But um, no, I love the idea of the identity and tying your identity to it, right? Because we had that email a couple chapters ago talking about Jerrion and Brightroar, remembering how oh, yeah. a lot of his hubris, Eliana, since you'll understand this, um, <laughs> a lot of his hubris, you know, uh, in trying to, like, bring that back in the identity of the house, like, and how much, like, identity that the Lannisters place in that, that Tywin places in him not having a sword, and then in turn taking a sword and melting it down and creating that. Uh, there, there's a lot about that. A lot about that. Yeah, I mean, I think we've discussed this before. Turns out, like, I, I don't think I realize that the melting down of the sword, it does get split up into two swords. Not necessarily a nail in the coffin for House Stark, but more of just the splitting of the lines, right? Especially mm. if it does follow along the lines of the television show. You have Widow's Whale, mm -hmm. right? Which, um, you know, House Stark in carrying on in the North as with the Queen in the North, and then Bran becoming king of the southern southern part of West. You have whatever's left. Yeah. I uh I like that. I like so, that too duality. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they'll ever get the ability to forge it again mm -hmm. back, but it is interesting. Like I and maybe they won't, right? Because it is inspired by Damascus steel, which like they say that they people are like making new ones, but I don't think it's exactly the same or I don't know. I've heard that that might be just a recipe that's lost. I mean, it's kind of inference that Tobo Mott has some knowledge of it in a way right to my knowledge he he has great knowledge including some of valyrian steel 
or at least of some of the magic for steel. And I yeah. would think, you know, Gendry is an obvious candidate in that to be able to wield and forge exactly. and obsidian as well. So we'll see what happens there. But I imagine that he'll be able to make at least obsidian weapons. Yeah. Tobomot's applesauce. My god. Well, thank you, Sunflower Solace. You rock. And long, long rest the bones of Mengon oh. Cannon. <laughs> I thought you were about to say long live Mengon Cannon. It's like fascinating. fascinating. I'm a M-G-C-R-A now? What rights activist? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it took me a whole while to get. I was like, "What are all it's these?" It's okay. I had to spell for? it for a second there. We got there. Uh, with that in mind, <laughs> thanks for your email, Sunflower Solace. It's like when you had Gossip Girls Gone Canon. GG. Exactly. GG. This is getting out of hand between Magical Girls Gone Canon, etc. Oh, and hey, we did just put out a Magical Girls Gone Canon episode. Uh, we're back with Sailor Moon Eternal Part One. Right, part one of the movie here. So now we're holding out. We're ready. Yeah, Cosmos. Cosmos. Any day now. Who knows? Maybe, maybe it's been announced by now. It's. it's Pray for our time traveling for this coast. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hop over to the lightning round, and we'll kick it off with Tyrion one, where Tywin denies Tyrion Casterly Rock. Wow! How dare. Davos 1. Davos is rescued by Salador San. Sansa 1. Sansa sups with the Rose's court. Ooh. John 1. John meets Mance. When John oh met Mance. Oh my god. Romance. Romance! Oh! <gasps> that must be something. You've got Mance. Mm. Um, that just sounds like a disease. I think... Oh. Daenerys 1. Arston may not be who he seems. Jorah kisses his queen and somehow lives. Gross. Bran 1. Bran learns to open his eye at will in the tumble-down tower. Davos 2. Davos attempts to assassinate Melisandre, blaming her for the death of his sons, instead of stamp- Blaming her for the death of his sons, sorry. <laughs> Jamie 2. On the road in the Riverlands, we get a huge... dump of info about the rebellion. <laughs> a huge wow. dump. Great play on words there, Eliana. Thank you, thank you. Tyrion 2. Many of Tyrion's policies and laws are undone before his very eyes by his papa. Once more, papa. he cannot bring himself to part with Shay. Papa. That brings us to Arya 2. Team Arya meets some of the Brotherhood without banners and ends up at the inn at the crossroads, where Arya spots a familiar face. One of her papa's men. Oh my god. <clears throat> Arya is grubbing for vegetables when she hears a man singing with a wood harp. Off to see Gold Town to see the fair maid. Hi ho, hi ho. I'll steal a sweet kiss with the point of my blade. Hi ho, hi ho. Oh, I like how you how you made a tune for that just Thank now. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my many talents include being Tom of Seven Streams, yeah. though. Interesting. Egot. Interesting. Uh, the first paragraph here, like, even just reading that on its own, it actually makes me think a lot of Sansa. Because that's yeah. Elaine's backstory, right? When she gets to the Vale later on, uh, a bastard raised by the Faith in Goldtown. And 
then the second part, right. I'll steal a sweet kiss with the point of my blade. Uh, Sandor. And soon, it's very Bramie, right? You got the Brienne Jamie sexy sword mm-hmm. fight that we had uh, our, our good friend Jean on for. Yeah. And, you know, the alleged unkiss. <laughs> Sansa Stark made out with a hot dog. Alleged that kiss? That was one What's time. The- oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um... But yeah, it does actually give Sansa vibes. I was thinking that too, and I couldn't like put my finger on it. So, a couple of those things in those this chapter. Hot Pie also hears the song though, and then Arya sends him to go wake Gendry quietly. Uh, Chloe <clears throat> placing the song. I'll make her my love, and we'll rest in the shade. Hi ho, hi ho. I keep wanting to like retrofit it into the song of the seven dwarves in in snow white but it doesn't work. i know and i'm trying not to like, think about it because i'm trying to hold my tune so don't ruin it's it so for hard. me okay no i'm just kidding I'm, I'm sorry i won't i won't i won't ruin it i have I to record this in a well, studio this week no i'm just kidding hire me <laughs> the- are you feeling better about our robert's rebellion musical yet because i mean i'm proving myself every I day am. on this podcast i really think we have a lot of potential so <laughs> There's nowhere to hide. There are willows at the river and reed beds, but everything is pretty painfully open. They're really fucking hungry also. They ran out of food six days ago. Arya tells Hot Pie to take Gendry and the horses behind the cottage that she'd hide by the tree and kill him if it comes to it. And then, like, I think, what, Hot Pie drops the cabbages or something? And I'm like, my cabbages! <laughs> and <laughs> from Avatar... The garden and the houses, right, they're like, and then they were tempted to go in, and they do, and, you know, it was because it had food there, and I don't know, something about it kind of makes me think of Garden of Eden stuff again, you mm-hmm. know, like this this, eat, this this innocence that she's trying to return to, which makes sense. Life's been pretty fucking hard, you know? Life comes at you fast when you're Arya Stark, and, and this desire for providence, and we even see, you know, gardens come up a couple of times people longing for that again like in Daenerys' story i also appreciate that Arya is like you go hide there turns out you know they were still the ones who got caught but whatever but she was trying to kind of put her own safety at risk and do what needed to be done to protect her friends in that moment and even though she has she has done actions that have endangered other people like at Harrenhal these happen mostly out of naivete mm-hmm. right like she clearly has the potential to learn and does want to try and protect people. Yeah. Everything she did, she did as a nine-year-old dude. I'm not going to begrudge that. She's 10 now. She, like, they said her age is 10 sometime, like, last chapter. I'm like, She's when did four. her name day happen? Like, they didn't even tell Arya us. Stark is four years old. Why would we not celebrate? She's not allowed yeah. to be 10, but yeah, I guess she's 10. You're right. You're right. We moved on. Well, I was just like, what? I just think it's interesting that they just told us that but there's never really like any fanfare around their name mm-hmm. dates you know? well they're all mostly like, like prisoners of war right now to be fair it's true but then how does she know anyways so she misses needle the sword that she's wearing is far too big for her it's a long sword but she can kill with it which is good enough for her she moves to the willow, praying to the gods as the singer grows near that he doesn't hear her, but a horse wickers, and she knows that he's heard. She hears a new male voice, join, the very first one, and then possibly maybe a third? Someone referred to as Archer means to drop arrows behind the wall and find out who's back there. 
What if it's some honest man back there, though, or some poor woman with a little babe at her breast? An honest man would come out and show us his face. Only an outlaw would skulk and hide. Okay, first quick question. Do you think that Arya praying to be hidden, like, she doesn't get seen until she comes out. Do you think it worked? Do you think there was magic there that actually camouflaged her? From praying? Yeah, because she was hidden, like, by the trees or something, right? Like, I don't know. I mean... Praying to the old gods. Uh, you believe in the old gods, bro? Uh, yeah, they're fucking real. They're <laughs> down there, like, feeding feeding <laughs> brand other people. I know they're real. Bro. <laughs> they're just they're just not the way they that we thought they would be. They're kind of just like us but with more magic and a little different. Wow. I'm a little agnostic, but you're real uh I didn't know you were so spiritual. I'm sorry. You're very religious. They're, they're we literally see them. They're like, "Hey, Bran, come eat the soup." <laughs> come eat the soup, bro. Uh, and can't ever escape Catholicism, man, because like the rituals, you know, like you're so into the rituals. They're so nice. Uh, Eat the soup, don the robe, sacrifice the babies. My God. They've got cool clothes if you're, you know, high up enough. They got some pretty cool clothes. I've, I looked at some stuff in the museum. Yeah, man. I just, I know there's a higher power in Westeros and I believe it's there. I just don't know that it's anyone, man. Bloodraven's technically an old god. Bran's becoming an old god. It's not nice to say that about people's age. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Young god. Young. Y-U-N-G. I just think she's, um, she's good at hiding. That's probably true. She is also little. Mm -hmm. Anyway. The whole idea that an honest man would come out and show us his face, only an outlaw would skulk and hide, all these things. <sighs> In Arya and her friend's defense, this is the same logic that Amory Lorch was like, yeah, if you, like, weren't guilty, if you were innocent, you would come out. And you know what? Look at where it got them. Yeah. Look at where it got them. Killed. Not them specifically, but a bunch of people they cared about. Also, I'm like, these guys are outlaws, and they're not skulking and hiding, so why would they assume anyone skulking and hiding is an outlaw? If anything, other way around. What's interesting is, I think... They definitely already knew they were there, um, obviously, mm. which is why Angai is shooting the arrows off and saying, I guess I'll just throw it behind this wall where there must be more people. But also, I think they knew because you you start to get kind of the first glimpse at this kind of guerrilla style uh, understated mm. warfare with them, right? That like they walk around broadly, like you said, they're the ones that are just out proud, Sagan. They, it's their land. True. This is their territory right here. They have scared enough people out of it, and they've protected enough people in it. And as they stroll around with their merry band, uh, they, like, I, I mean, I think that Arya, Hot Pie, and Gendry were, again, kind of out in the open. There isn't a lot of hiding. There's some willows, a couple trees, but it's a very flat, open area of the Riverlands. I think they knew because they know the lay of their land. I really do think they knew, mm. which is interesting compared to, like you said, Amory Lorch and the Mountain Men. They they were very busy. It's their nighttime. They were, like, fucking off. They were drinking. They were going to torture some prisoners and drink and have a great fucking night. And I'm serious. That is their plan. Yeah, that's that's their, like, great fucking yeah. night. They're like, let's go torture some people. Fine. These guys are strolling around looking for trouble in their lands and just protecting the area and making sure shit's good and that they aren't, you know don't have Lannisters in the lands, and that if somebody's hurt, they can help them. They, uh, it's very interesting. Very different. Yeah. Slash true. rob them. 
Do you pronounce it Angai, Angi? I'm an Angai. Angai? And Angai, Angai? Okay. I don't know if that's it, but that's how I hear it. I don't know, so I'm asking. Yeah, Angai is anyway. natural sounding to me, but that's just me. You can believe whatever you want. Angai. I'm like Angus, Angus Steak. Anyways. Before they can loose their shafts, Arya springs to her feet, shouting don't, and shows her sword. There are only three men. She thinks that Hot Pie and Gendry together with her, like, maybe they could take him. But then again, they were men. Travel stained, mud specked. One is a singer, small and about 50, cradling his wood harp to his chest. Beside him is a man who is about a foot taller, a soldier with a black iron half-helm shaped like a cone, and of course, a hooded yellow cloak that drew the eye, and last... A skinny youth with a long bow, red-haired and freckled. They get such an intro with all their descriptions, like, you know that they're gonna, they get to be fully named characters. It's like in a TV show. Sometimes you can tell by the camera, you're like, that person's coming back. Yeah, and it's interesting because you got, like, the one that draws the eye, of course, the hooded yellow cloak that draws the eye. He's big. That's Lem Lemon Cloak, right? Or... Should I say Richard Lonmouth? Uh, I don't know. I should because it's true. But I love the call out of, of his actual. I love the description we get because I don't feel like we've gotten as many descriptions lately. Uh, a lot of these men are like true, just rando soldiers in rando soldier gear. So this is really great to actually get like these really descript. Uh, Thomas Seven Strings. He's small, about fifty years old. And he's got his wood harp, and then behind him. Or beside him, you have Lem, who's with his black iron half helm and his hooded yellow cloak, and then the skinny youth with a long bow, red haired and freckled. Like that really does paint a picture of what you're seeing on the road. It reminds me a little bit even of uh, Canterbury Tales, you know, or A Knight's Tale. Mm. It is very much that you get the vibes there from this group you meet on the road. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The men command the boy to put the sword down, quote-unquote boy, and Arya defiantly says, I'm a girl. The singer gives his pardons, and Arya tells them to go and keep singing so she knows their location and she won't kill them. Can you imagine, like, a 10-year-old little girl uh, just, like, coming up to you with a sword and saying this? Keep moving, or I'll kill you. It's pretty hilarious. It's very hard not to just, like, hilarious. put your hand out on the forehead, you know? And just, like, okay, go, run. It's like... <laughs> It's like this small frog in Baldur's Gate that kept going, did I already tell the story? I don't think here? so. It kept going, kill, kill. I do not think and you I did. Like, I do not remember this onomatopoeia <laughs> coming out of you. Kill. And I was like, kill me? But you're the size of my boot. And then after that, the frog's like, I'm going to attack. But otherwise, like, the frog and I were copacetic. And I was like, why are we fighting? Why am I fighting a frog? <laughs> it's literally that. Anyway. Uh, this is that. They have a good laugh at this with one another, though, right? Like, they laugh, too. They're like, okay, shrimp. Uh, they tell her to put her sword up, and they'll get them to food and safety. Gendry starts to pop off, though, at this. Uh, Hot Pie shows up, too, with their oh, horse no. in chainmail and with a sword in his hand. Arya remarks that he looks almost a man grown and even dangerous, question mark? Uh, Hot Pie? Kind of dangerous. Hot Pie looks dangerous. They probably also knew immediately that Gendry was one of Robert's. Let's be real. Isn't that kind of funny? Maybe they don't realize it, but Brienne realized it immediately and spent a ton of time around Renly. So I'd kill to find out what they're thinking in this chapter. Some POV. 
I wonder if, like, they know, because, you know, Brienne's also like, huh, weird. And maybe it's just like, you know, I confuse a lot of actors with one another, <laughs> so I'm like, maybe, maybe they're like, hmm, so interesting that these people look alike, but... I guess. It must, it must stand out. Well, also, it depends, like, I think Thomas Seven Strings would have known what Robert looked like. Well, there's a possibility, right? I forgot he was that much older. Richard Lawnmouth? Maybe, mm-hmm. but Ingai would not because his image of Robert, he's much younger, is the Robert that we see current day, who does not look anything like Gendry. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, I think of like the other guys, I guess, would be the ones like Beric and Thoros. I don't know. I don't know. They're pretty far gone, I guess, when they finally would meet Gendry, but. Thoros, maybe. Mm-hmm. Thoros, That's maybe. what I was thinking. Beric, Beric's gone. Yeah. But Thoros was also drunk a lot during that time. You so. know who would totally know Gendry on site, probably? Catelyn. Yeah. Too bad. She's also... Too bad she's far gone, too. By God. The time she there. Jesus. Uh, so interesting. Arya reminds us again about like that concept that she learned from Syria Pharrell. You know, Syria's lessons keep coming up again and again about seeing versus, you know, really seeing. Because she notices that Tom is distracting them, but Engi, Eng- is Engi is the real threat. Engi is Engi. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> his 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 name is the real threat for me. Wow. Yeah. My God. <laughs> anyway, I love that though. That's true because he's like the smallest. Yeah, he's the one with the whip and. Good aim. This is like this theme is very much coming more and more prominent each chapter in Storm, where she's constantly seeing, and we're constantly seeing mm, her true. like see through things and be guarding herself against other things. Hashtag growth. Uh, every day, every day, a little more. Every day, just like all of us as we time travel going forward. So Arya asks for their names, like honest men, and Hot Pie tells them he's Hot Pie. And then they're like, oh, okay, cool, great, of course. Uh, are your friends Mutton Chop, Mutton Chop and Squab? And Gentry growls that uh, they should name themselves first. And I'm just like, oh, hop high. <laughs> and I do like that the name that Arya chooses, she's like, sure, fuck it, I'm Squab. Hilarious. But also, Squab, also known as a little bird, just like, oh, I don't know, mm. another Stark, but... Squab is more referring to the meat, just like the term mutton in English, not in mm-hmm. French. Mouton means both the sheep and the meat. But anyways, squab, little bird. Interesting. She's her own little bird. And it's interesting in like the context of intrigue. Oh, true. Children's because spies. we've been talking about her like a uh, master of whispers. She is actually a children's yeah. spy. She's a, she's a kid with a job. You know what? Soon. The way that loans are from the Citadel these days, like she's never going to get to go to college if she doesn't start saving now. <laughs> she has no parents. They didn't leave her oh. shit right now. Her house burned down. My God. That's true. She didn't even get, what, the insurance money from someone burning yeah, her house. Yeah, Ramsey laundered the shit out of that. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, so we're introduced to Tom of Seven Streams, Lem Lemoncloak, and Angai the Archer, but Arya and Gendry refuse to give their names, calling themselves Squab and the Bull. Tom remarks, you must have escaped from Bolton's kitchens, and Arya's like, what? And then he's like, the sigil on your shirt, little one, which she hates being called that, by the way. 
Yeah, I like that Arya pushes back. She's like, we're not kids, which is not true. You're 10 years old. And it, it's a little bit of what you've been talking about in the past few chapters for Arya, you know, being forced to grow up. But also, I do think it's nice that Tom says that that's true. You would not be children having had to work for the Bolton household because it really, I think, validates the difficult experience that they've had. Like, really, you know, kind of says to them, that's true. You went through something very traumatic and that would force you to grow up. Yeah, I think that is nice. Uh, because then, you know, there's that question, and this is an interesting question in the Riverlands, especially since we know they're the same thing at this point. Are you lion cubs or Bolton's ilk? And it's like, mm. Bolton isn't that much more honorable, as we learn, and things aren't black and white. They're very gray, especially for them, who then they reveal we're king's men, by the way. But like, they're like, yeah, king's men. We support the king, the king. And Arya's like, Joffrey, fuck Joffrey. But then it's revealed, not that king. Yeah, hashtag not my king for Joffrey. And Gendry reacts to this by saying, that old drunk? He's dead. Respect your father, first of all. Respect your dad. Gendry, I'm just kidding. Uh, don't yeah. respect that guy. He, You do not have to hand it to Robert Baratheon, by the way. <laughs> you do not have to hand it to Robert Everything Baratheon. Everything else was handed to him. Uh, like his parents' death, that was probably handed to him in a scroll. Ouch, that's not nice. It's not nice, Robert. Never mind. Maybe maybe we give him like 1% sympathy, but my god. Okay, but like other kids' parents died too. And, they don't beat their wives, you know. yeah. Yeah. Ned, like Ned's, Ned's parents died too and he wasn't out here beating his wife. So. I mean, for all of our desperate housewife watchers at home, like how could he treat Gabrielle Solis this way? You know what I mean? <sighs> anyway. One of these days I'm going to start that show. I promise everyone I'm going to start it and I do intend to. Sounds like a fun time. I'm just going to keep asking you live to make sure. <sighs> Eliana, have you started it yet? Eliana. I actually do. Like that one, I'm like, I am motivated to watch Desperate Housewives, even though I'm so sorry. I am not as motivated to watch Doctor Who. <laughs> Anyways, we have a passage from this book we read. Fight me. I don't have time <laughs> or energy to fight you anymore. <sighs> <clears throat> Aye, lad, said Tom Sevenstrings, and more's the pity. He plucked a sad cord from his heart. Arya didn't think they were king's men at all. They looked more like outlaws, all tattered and ragged. They didn't even have horses to ride. King's men would have had horses. Well, Arya, there are many types of birds, just as there are many types of outlaws. Arya, though, is like, these people are scrubs. <laughs> <sighs> I probably asked him how to get to Riverrun, and Arya is ready to murder him for asking that. Tom tells them it's a long way upstream. Maybe they'd like a hot meal at the inn before they leave. Arya is hungry, but she doesn't trust these men. She thinks not everyone who spoke you friendly was really your friend. Her and Sansa are learning so the hard true. ones lately, man. Yeah, so true for all the Starks. Two miles upstream lies the inn and an innkeep named Sharna, who is fond of little girls despite her fierce eye and sharp tongue, as well as her husband and this orphan boy they took in. There's fresh bread, ale, meat awaits them, and whatever they stole from the cottage, remarks Tom, while Arya argues that they didn't steal. Tom sadly remarks, yeah, well, we buried old Pate, who lived at this cottage, so I know you're not his kin. 
I know that you stole his shit. And in my head, I'm like, he's dead, bitch. Uh, The archer draws an arrow, sending it into the willow behind her and drawing another one immediately. Arya thought she knew fast from her time with Sirio, but she was being proven wrong. She tells Angai that he missed his second arrow, and he tells her, no, they go where I send them. There are at least a dozen steps between the archer and Arya's sword, and they have no chance, she realizes. She wishes she had a bow that maybe she could use and lowers her sword. Yeah, so essentially Arya and her friends just come across a D&D party. <laughs> you got the bard. Yeah, you got the bard, you got a fighter, you got a ranger, essentially, I think. So it's a D&D party. It really is. I'm just going to believe you. At this point, I got to just believe you on it. Yep. Old Pate. He was good. I love an Aeswaf Pate. It's such a great little theme. Right? We should do an Aeswaf Pate episode sometime. I'm not kidding. Uh, Ooh, interesting. I'm putting it, claiming it, claiming that episode now. Other Aeswaf creators, if you hear this, if you take my idea on Pate lore, I swear to God, I'm coming for you. Coming for your throat. <laughs> That's okay. how you claim things <laughs> on podcasts that no one will hear. Uh, in the Aeswaf universe, all dudes that bear the name Pate generally are named after Spotted Pate who was a kind-hearted pig mm. farmer who was perceived as a simpleton but surprisingly always managed to beat the odds and save the day. All of his heroic feats mm. usually involved defeating lords, knights, and haughty septons, God, we love an underdog, leading to a favorable outcome for himself. In some of the stories, he even manages to end up sitting on a high lord's seat or win the heart of a knight's daughter. So um, mm. this is what D&D wanted for Bronn. In Game of Thrones, for example, they wanted him to be a spotted pate. They were like, you deserve Highgarden for no reason. Uh, but no, I'm just getting Dunk the Lunk, for example. Very pate-coated, right? Very pate-coated. Yes, that's a, that's a great point. And, like, doesn't he, he like, hates a pate, right? Like, steely pate mm -hmm, or something? Steely pate. And, yeah, but that's a, that's a great point that he's following, like, the Westerosi archetype of that character. And even, like, you know, very much rags to riches kind of character in some way. But you're right. That is maybe what D&D were going for with Bronn, which- He's Pate the pig boy. I knew it. I knew they read fucking, the books. That was fucking silliness. Fucking silliness. Oh my god. <laughs> and yeah, a Pate episode could be fun. A Pate episode. Uh, Pate- Pate- Rion. Stop. Episode. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it's even better somehow. I love it. That's what we're gonna call it. Nobody take it. Nobody take it. We claimed it. All right. We have- trademarked copyrighted it in the way that taylor swift tried to do that with the term this sick beat it's ours now <laughs> so she did not succeed everyone just so you know um anyways so uh, regarding aria she says like twice here she's like dang i really wish i knew how to use a bow i don't know if she's actually going to learn to do archery or if she does she's not going to be as good at it as she is with the sword like maybe if there had been a five-year gap you know, she'd have time to, like, really learn more about ranged weapons. Maybe George will find a way to just weave it in. Ranged weapons do seem nice for a rogue class character, but I just don't think it's something she's going to end up doing. Like, the sword is really going to be her bread and butter. Yeah, I don't, I don't think she has time, and I actually could see, I could see Bran even learning, um, because it's something oh. that you can do stationary yeah yeah i would see it on horseback. and it makes me think like brandon snow yeah exactly on horseback with the saddle 
uh, that Tyrion designed. And it makes me like Brandon Snow with his weirwood bow. Or even like, yeah, Theon. Mm -hmm. Theon was their archer there for a sec. Yeah. But for Arya, I don't think, uh, I just don't see her mastering it. Yeah. It could be like a thing she, again, dabbles in for a second, but it's more of like a... Mm -hmm. We're gonna shoot ten arrows and hope one of them fucking hits. She's like me. She has a lot of hobbies. Girls just love hobbies, you yeah. know? Too many hobbies. Arya does have a lot of hobbies. Murders, mostly. So most we. of them. Yeah. Yes. Um, which, again, why would Chloe not... If you were my friend, we would be committing murders together as a hobby. That's a whole different podcast. Anyways, uh, <laughs> that's a true crime podcast. We don't have time for this. They concede and say that they're going to go to the inn, telling the men, walk in front of us and we'll walk behind. She tells Hot Pie to bring the cabbages and carrots and off they walk, pretending at first to stay very separate from the other group. But as time moves on, they end up kind of clumping into one group anyway. Road trip, road trip with the Brotherhood. Tom asks if they know any songs, and Arya's like, singing is stupid. It makes noise. They could have killed them because of how loud they are. Uh, And Tom's like, there are worse things than dying with a song on your lips. Lem says that they would know if there were wolves or lions running about anyways, because these are their woods. They know everyone in these woods. I love... Right here, this quote from Tom, there are worse things than dying with a song on your lips. It kind of has that same poetic feel to it, like rubies flew like drops of blood from the chest of a dying prince, and he sank to his knees in the water and with his last breath murmured a woman's name. It makes me think of that very heavily, of the House of the Undying of Rhaegar. Very much so, especially here, where it kind of was nearby. They're not far from where it would have taken place. Yes, absolutely. It it really does evoke that. I was I was thinking that too. And romance. You're right. It actually is close by. Huh. Mm-hmm. Everything as we read this, like everything, I'm I'm straight up in rebellion world. My like rebellion lens is on for these chapters because I'm like, here we are, where it all went down. For these chapters and for our musical extravaganza. <laughs> yeah, I'm really invested in this project right now. Uh, yeah, so is Thomas Seven String. <laughs> he's inspiring me. Yeah. Gendry counters that they didn't know that three youngsters were afoot, but Tom says sometimes a man knows more than he says. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Like you said earlier, that's that's the theme for Arya's plot, right? Like, sometimes a man knows more than he says, don't give away more than you need mm. to, and people perceive you True. how they see you. And again... I think Tom knew that they were underfoot, underfoot. True. But not as much as Harwin does later. <laughs> Set it up so she can tee that one in. Uh, Hot Pie pipes up and he's like, I know the Baron, the Maiden Fair. And so he starts singing. And he actually has a really good voice and sings really well. Arya's really surprised about this. She's like, You have a talent? One I didn't know about besides baking? It's a good reminder, right? Arya just moments ago was like, fuck singing, it gives you away. But this is a great moment for her to recognize Hot Pie, who, by the way, has risked his life for hers and gone along with her plan when he could have had, you know, acedia. He could have stayed semi-comfortable at Hall until the mountain shows back up and kills everybody except Ben Blackthum again. But uh, he's not just like a caricature, but he's a real person with emotions and experiences, right? He might not be a warrior, but 
He's really displayed strength and bravery on this journey, in my opinion. And he has other talents beyond survival. He sings, he bakes, he kind of actually appreciates beauty in the world. Like he's always very thoughtful, uh, despite his childhood, probably, and current struggles from the whole being sent to the Night's Watch and then Heron Hall and now this here. He still somehow has heart. His soul is still in there. And it's interesting that Arya is remarking how much she hates music, right? Thinking of Hot Pie, he's really reminiscent of like Sam and Sansa in some ways, right? He's kind of a dreamer. He loves songs. He likes some of the more softer, beautiful things in life, music and the arts. And in book one, Arya kind of has that little sister jealousy going on of Sansa's musical abilities, of basically Sansa's any abilities, right? She thought she'd never have any skills of her own, that Sansa had taken them all. uh, And maybe after this, maybe she'll grow to like music, right? To appreciate some of these songs she's heard on her travels, especially now that she has her own hobby that she's excelling at, right? With needlework. Kind of like the anti-Marillion problem going on here, right? Where for Sansa, all the songs are a nightmare. But maybe Arya could enjoy the music. Yeah, you don't have to be a music maker to be a music appreciator. And I I really love the way that you've characterized Hot Pie here because I haven't thought about it before, but yeah, like he he's this embodiment of kind of like this hope aspect, right? Of humanity, of actually living beyond survival. Because do we need songs as a people? As a humans in general? No, but singing songs they're there's some they're an expression they're their emotion and it's something that gives life color and also like you know later on he's going to cri- criticize the bread and bread doesn't fucking have to be good right food does not have to taste good but when you have the ability to to have food that tastes good right and to be able to actually savor suck the marrow out of life and and that's exactly what hot pie is he's he's a character who has never lost hope despite as as you said everything that's gone on yeah i mean uh what i love what you just put it like that like after there you still have to live for something you still have to have something good he doesn't just survive like at the end of the day he also has hopes and dreams and shit even if they seem simple like when he decides to stay behind sure that might be silly to some that he's staying behind, but like there has to be something more to live for than murdering all day long. If we didn't have music, if we didn't have storytelling, if we didn't have folklore, if we didn't have food, if we didn't have food, Sorry. especially you and me, this is a food podcast. <laughs> but yeah. like, if we didn't have all of these things as a society, if we hadn't like started doing this, not even as a society, as humans, if we hadn't started recording these histories and telling these stories and singing these things to one another. All we do all day long is murder one another until we had bigger houses or more resources. And it's like there's this faction of the world that is doing that right now. They're just murdering people so that one civilization can survive better than the others. And when you become a soldier like Arya has already, a child soldier, I mean, for her, it's survive. It's survive, kill anyone who tries to kill you and get to the next day. There is no hope. There is no dream. She's fighting so hard to get to River Run just to get to her family to have some semblance of hope at life beyond all of this death and carnage. Uh, So having Hot Pie around who still has some of that hope, even amidst all of it, that's really inspiring. That's really great. That's good characterization for him. I mean, Hot Pie, as you said, he's lost a lot too. Like, who was his fucking family? Why was he even sent to the wall? What did he even do? Hot Hot Pie is innocent. Free him. 
Free and... him. Let him sing and free him. Yeah. So, Hot Pie. Actually very important. I mean, we knew that. He's a beloved character, but I, I hadn't really thought about how he really just resembles mm -hmm. life, a life worth living. And you're right, that's kind of what he tries to do. He's like, I don't need anything fancy. I just want a life I can enjoy. And he tries to build that and help other people build that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Glossing over my impassioned hot, hot pie speeches today. I don't know. I don't know what got in me, but <laughs> yeah. he needed some love. You know, like I just thought he was really, he stood out to me this chapter a lot. Same. George had fun. I, I, I forgot that he could sing, you know? Yeah. And we contain multitudes. I love that. I love that. I love Hot Pie. I'm so glad that him and uh, Tom have a little banter and fun, you know? And, and it is kind of mm -hmm. fun. Uh, we're going to gloss over a few of the things, but as we get on the road here to the inn, the men catch a duck. There's some banter between Lem and Angai and Tom. Very fun. Great dialogue from George here, actually. Angai's like, I wonder if Sharna the innkeep has lemons in her cellar, and he reminisces on a Dornish girl who once cooked him duck with lemons. And... The singing does make the miles shorter and make them go by faster. They arrive at the inn. It looks pretty much like an inn, you know, standard, friendly. Smoke curls from its chimney, surrounded by stables. It even has an arbor in the back and a dock with a boat, notes Arya. Arya nudges Gendry about that boat, saying, we could sail the way to River Run. Gendry's like, okay, but we'd be sailing against the current. Also, we don't know how to sail. Also, it's not our boat. These are just the three biggest issues I see about this situation, Arya. Just put it out there. Arya chews her lip, and she says nothing in return and thinks, well, we could still take it. Would not be very nice of you to do. And, and she accuses them of being outlaws. She's like, what if we stole their boat? Okay, Arya, settle down. They're just all kind of outlaws. I mean, and at least they give an IOU. Like she doesn't you know? even offer an IOU to anyone <laughs> when she steals her stuff. And like, settle down, Arya. That's true, and I think that's part of like I don't know. It, it's it's a combination of a couple of things, right? Like, so so. Rewinding a second, I think we can really see a contrast in how this end, the end of the kneeling man, is is run compared to how for example the nobles who took over Hall had been running it right like i mean the inn feels taken care of is it perfect no but it feels cared for there are people using it and trying to make it fucking livable right whereas we see like Hall was only really livable for what like a very few people and used mostly as a military base because the nobility just didn't care they see the small folk as pawns as little ants who help their fucking like mm -hmm. building work they have no investment in the riverlands whatsoever and neither does this helicopter that you know <laughs> i'm sorry if i have a lot of helicopters in the back of my audio today everyone um but yeah, the nobility don't have an investment in the Riverlands or in this community or building it. They're just siphoning what they can from it. And, you know, that kind of stands in contrast to the Brotherhood, who, yeah, some of them, like, they are, some of them are from houses or in higher classes. And they're also not the best. They're definitely gray. And Chloe, I think, is going to dig into that more. To some extent, they are trying a little, right? And are they, like, a little, you know, deluded and self-righteous about what they're doing? Sometimes, just a little. But the lack of a allegiance to nobility for its sake kind of shows, you know, 
they're not they're not doing it for that. They're willing to ransom Arya in order to I don't know maybe make money that they can use for the people. They're not just swearing just cause. And you have to an extent a semblance of people who are looking out for each other and creating a community within this brotherhood versus how like the hierarchical systems that make up most of Westeros destroy the solidarity. We see that in how a lot of the people who were in the households of Hall, both under the Lannisters and under the Boltons, so easily turned against one another. They weren't looking out for each other, except for, I don't know, I guess Amabel was trying to look out for Arya, then was like, fuck you, after everything, because Arya wasn't, wasn't into building community at that time. And then I think you're going to see Lady Stoneheart come back in, take over some of the, the stuff with the Brotherhood towards the end, and in a way, I think, kind of recreate some of those systems we saw at Harrenhal, right? Using the Brotherhood as a pawn for her goal of vengeance and becomes this like very hyperbolic encapsulation of the idea of nobility sucking the systems dry because it does feel different from the Brotherhood that we had known here in Arya's story. And you can kind of see that that difference in the feeling of, I have a right to this thing. I'm going to take what I can fucking get from this land, sucking those systems dry, versus the people who have an investment in it. Because Gendry's like, I don't think we have a right to that boat, okay? It belongs to the inn. And Arya, partially because of the pragmatism she's been forced to learn from surviving as a 10-year-old child in very difficult circumstances. But I think maybe maybe a little bit little bit is an artifact of that noble entitlement of like, I don't know, I'm going to just take the boat. Yeah, it's interesting because when the way the way you just talked about it, it, it really shows like what happens when the government abandons an area, right? Yeah. A and that's what's happened. I mean, they've gone laissez-faire. They're not touching. Yeah. There's no relief aid coming for the people that are living here in the Riverlands. There's nothing coming for them. The Brotherhood have taken that upon themselves and they can't do it in at first, obviously, it all changes. Every war makes monsters of everybody. But uh, at first, sure. the goal was, you know, take care of the Riverlands, fight the people off that are trying to burn it down, and it becomes help the small folk the best you can. You know, putting the government closer to the people's hands and saying, this is how we're going to be able to distribute food. This is how we're going to find shelter and find hiding places for people. Uh, it it's a really introspective look at that. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's an interesting kind of like little experimental community for them, mm -hmm. right? And yeah, it could be the future of Westeros. Flaws. You know, it has flaws, but could. But it's it's also got heart, just like hot pie. <laughs> Arya comments as they arrive at the inn that someone should stay to watch the horses, but Tom's like, "There's no need." Gendry's like, "Okay, I'm gonna stay anyway, and after you've eaten, Arya, come get me." Arya keeps her hands close to the dagger hilt, just in case, but inside the common room she's accosted by Sharna, who's not sure if she's a little boy or a girl, for standing in the way. Sharna accosts the men for being muddy, to be fair, and takes the duck off their hands. She calls for her husband to come hang the duck, and Angai says, Hey, do you got lemons? Lemons? And where would we get lemons? Does this look like Dorn to you, you freckled fool? Why don't you hop out back to the lemon trees and pick us a bushel? And some nice olives and pomegranates, too. She shook a finger at him. So I don't know why, but the dynamic that Sharna has with her husband reminds me a little bit of Miracle Max and Valerie. 
from The Princess Bride. I don't know. I just imagine her going, coming out and like screeching at him. I mean, obviously, husband is not at all like Miracle Max. And I'm like, should I be as upset about husband not having a name as, <laughs> you know, Higgins' daughter and stuff? But I'm like, that is literally his, his, uh, name in in other sources just husband his name was he born <laughs> named husband like fucking squab or mutton chop like what's going on with this man sometimes I, I call my roommate that for fun you know sure but is that what his name would be in the wikipedia page about him probably look it up no it would be roommate oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny as fuck I didn't even think about it. I'm just like, as he should be named, husband. It's good enough. I'm like, no, his name will be roommate. <laughs> so This is Sharna's roommate. Yeah, this is Sharna's roommate. Maybe she has more than one roommate. We don't know. Oh, they got a different society. <sighs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> roommate sexual. She says they won't eat the duck for a few days. It needs to hang. But they can have rabbit while they wait. Arya offers carrots and cabbages to her, telling Hot Pie to hand them over, and the woman asks, where's the Hot Pie? And Hot Pie's like, me, I'm the Hot Pie. This is Squab, I'm Hot Pie. I could see why that gets confusing. Sharna says, not under my roof. You're going to need real names to distinguish you from the dishes that I cook. She tells them to wash the vegetables and that the boy will bring drink. While she doesn't usually serve beer to minors, they're unfortunately out of cider, milk, and the river tastes like death slash war. Great. Awesome. Love that for them. And also, I I appreciate that they tell the innkeep, like, yeah, I mean, if you served a cup full of flies, I really do think Arya would drink it. That's what they tell her. And I'm like, she really might. <laughs> She's like, new bug to eat. New bug just dropped. <laughs> so <laughs> Tom, Tom unslings his harp and begins a new song. Um, Chloe, please give, give us a tune. <clears throat> Along the inn on a forest road, the innkeep's wife was plain as a toad. Beautiful. Amazing. That could be that could be a real song. Thank you. And Lem tells Tom to shut up or they won't get fed. Arya leans close and asks Hot Pie if he can sail. <laughs> it's a hilarious. Hey, can song. you Just sail? Like, imagine the other kid. Hey, hey, do you know how to sail? Uh, but before you can answer, a thick-set 15-year-old boy appears with ale, and Guy raises up a glass to his grace, saying, Seven save the king, while Lem mutters all twelve of them. I fucking love this. I was cackling. The dialogue is great in this chapter. There's such great banter. I'm like, George is proving that people that talk to themselves, like me, everywhere have a chance at writing good dialogue. Uh... <laughs> all 12 of them it's also a great multiplier with Bruce in the chapter before last being like oh, four kings that's even better that's easy mode I love when there's four yeah. kings <laughs> meanwhile Sharna's roommate comes back mentioning there are weird horses in the stable and Tom's like better than the horses yeah. that we gave away recently and the husband is annoyed yeah. and he's like I didn't give them away I sold them to buy the skiff the one that Arya wants to steal, and that the men were supposed to go get the horses back. And Arya immediately puts her hand on her dagger. She's like, I knew they were outlaws. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I mean, in so, the full technicality, 
you know, dictionary.com defines it as. Yeah. Yeah. Well, husband and the men go back and forth chatting that they didn't have support to go after the horses here from the inn and due to one of the men's dicks impregnating a local girl, they don't have the staff to keep an eye out. There's a comical exchange, because there are many in this chapter, where Tom is blamed for knocking up the local girl due to his harp, and Tom then instead blames Angie with his fancy bow and arrow. Um, Rebellion Lens, real quick. I love that because it's almost like a little Rhaegar Lyanna nod, right? Knocking up the local girl because yeah. of his harpist skills in the Riverlands. Yeah. Yeah. Local girl absconds with Prince now. Um, Jesus. But it actually does absolutely like, feel that way. It really does feel like another nod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny because like in my head, I'm hearing a song play, but it's not actually like a harp or whatever, and it's not Rhaegar. It's just um, Epic 2 from Town. But I'm just hearing they sing like, la, 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 la. And it's just very romantic. So as soon as I read the line, I'm like, oh my god, harp noises, music in my ears, it's Rhaegar and Lyanna, love. Except it's not love, it's like this is A, you know, and B, you know, but (laughs) beyond that. (laughs) Beyond that. Uh, Besides all the A's and B's. Uh, Yes. Past all that, beyond that. Either way, the husband blames the men for losing the three horses, and he's like, well, there were three people. How would they have fought three? And Lem's like, one was a woman, the other in chains. And the husband's like, yeah, a big woman. And the one in chains had a look in his eyes. And I'm like, oh, I know that look. It's a look of a man who was just freed a couple nights ago and put on a horse by a weird, crazy, maybe horny widow. Uh, so I know exactly what happened here. That's Bramie on the run. And it's interesting that they mm-hmm. don't realize it's Jamie. Right, I think there's something really clever here going on with Arya's here. They don't know it's Arya, obviously. Jamie, with his disguise, mm. where he shaves his head real quick, uh, his disguise, fucking up his hair, works well to them, which is funny because then there's also, uh, I mean, beyond like, then you have Jane, then you have all these other identities, but uh, then you have Gendry in the camp right there, too. So there are a lot of uh, interesting little nods going on at this camp, lots of secret people around. No one realizes that this is Arya Stark until Harwin shows up, right? Despite the Stark look. Her and Jamie's disguises are subtle, but people see what they want to see. That's a great point. They they really These people are not the best at seeing. They they come across a lot of nobles, it sounds like, and just let them all go and just don't don't really pay attention in that way. But they got, I guess, other things that they're taking care of and yeah, Jamie, I don't know, they they were like, he had a look in his eyes, and I'm like, that's the look of a man who's feeling horny for someone that isn't his sister for the first time. <laughs> and <laughs> Anyway, Arya, meanwhile, is enjoying the ale, which tastes phenomenal, not like flies. The smell from the kitchen is making her mouth water, but she can't stop thinking about the boat. She's like, sailing it will be harder than stealing it. And the serving boy brings them bread, and Hot Pie makes a face because it's lumpy, burnt on the bottom, and he says it's bad. He's like, you're not getting any Michelin stars for this bread. (laughs) But Lem says it's better when there's stew to sop it up, and Angie says, no, it isn't, but you won't break your teeth on it. 
the husband says, you can eat it or go hungry, saying he'd like to see him make it better. And Hot Pie's like, hold, hold my beer. I could make it better. You overneeded the dough. That's why it's hard. And it's like, let him cook. Let Hot Pie cook. He sips the ale and starts to tell them all about baking various treats. And Arya rolls her eyes and Tom sits across from her, giving her a piece of parchment. I love this because Tom slides in and he's just like, you know, I got to steal your horses, right, kid? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Even though she was all like, well, I guess in in his defense, she's all like, what if I stole a boat? Yeah, I I do love how like torn up she gets. And then I'm like, you've been trying to steal their boat the whole time. But she learns here at least that she can leverage as we're about to get to. Um, I also love that like Arya and Hot Pie are like, these are my hobbies to talk about. Arya's like... I want to learn about boating. I need a new hobby, an 80th hobby on top of murder. What about boating? And then Hot Pie's over here like, well, let me tell you all about my hobby, which is baking bread. And I'm like, I enjoy these two so much. They're just like me. Very me-coded. It's it's so cute. And I realize now that Arya being like, I got to sail this boat, but I don't know how to actually sail it is it the equivalent of like scenes and i don't know every now and then in movies you have a kid who's like i'm gonna steal the car yeah and it's like doesn't know what to do once they're I in don't it know yeah how to drive the car i can't reach the pedals you know so on a semi more serious note though interesting here that she's so about the boat i mean obviously the goal mm. is get a boat so it'll go faster than on foot but i do think that's interesting that we have a little nod at aria being very interesting in sail interested in sailing yeah. It could be a thing. I mean, she, a boat was what was supposed to get her home the first time around, mm-hmm. you know? Well, she's going to learn, goddammit. She's ready. The, uh, Tom gives her an IOU. How hard can it be? I mean, it, anyone could do it. A monkey could do it. My God. Not, not, I'm just kidding. It's not true. Maybe. I mean, that's another story. Google it. Maybe. The parchment is that Tom hands her is an IOU for three gold dragons, not big dragons, small ones, because they're going to be stealing those horses. And Arya's like, they're our horses. And Tom's like, oh, so you stole them yourselves? <laughs> He's like, uh, yeah. There's no shame in that. War makes thieves of us all. Besides, I'm paying you a handsome price, way more than they're worth. Uh, but Hot Pie looks at the parchment. And He's like, but there's no gold. It's just paper. It's just a paper shield. <laughs> After the war, Tom says he means to make good on it, but Arya's like, you're robbers, and Tom's like, true robbers don't pay, not even in paper. It's for the good of the realm, for the fights that need fighting. Would she deny the king? Yeah. She was fucking there when he died. He when After he died, her dad died. Anyways. So, the whole I'm paying with paper thing, because I don't really have money, but I'm definitely going to pay you back, maybe. Kind of reminds me of Tyrion in book five. He does start, like, doing a couple little IOUs to people. Oh, interesting. I forgot all about that, actually. I think he does that He does that with um Brown Ben Plum, right? Yeah, aw. That's kind of sweet. See, Tyrion is a sweet boy, even in book five. All of you, you know, point and boo-hoo at me, but very sweet boy. <laughs> even with his dark edges. Oh, let me... Ooh-woo. Yeah, yeah, he, Tyrion writes 60 documents, you know? Oh like, I'm gonna give gold to all these people, and I'm like... ah. Tyrion invented the credit card. Kinda. <laughs> anyway. Oh, he's gonna change so much about Westeros' economy when he gets back. Just you wait. He's gonna make even more money. Well, we've met King's men. They steal from the poor, give it to the other poor, you know? Uh, I love that for them. No, in all seriousness... 
introduction to some of the Brotherhood, and I mean, they are basically Robin Hood and his merry men, right? That's a, a pretty obvious comparison, probably, to them. Uh, mm-hmm. Throughout the Merry Adventures of Robin Hood, we have themes of Brotherhood, family, redistribution of wealth, all explored. Robin and his band of outlaws are bound together by their common status, and they fearlessly fight back against corrupt rulers and other men by reclaiming the wealth that was unjustly taken from the poor and redistributing it to those in need. You know, that novel specifically portrays some of that importance for standing up for what's right in the face of those in power, and it made me start thinking about some of, like, who in the Brotherhood would be what, you know, of the Merry Men. And I was thinking, like, Friar Tuck, right? You have Friar Tuck, and I think that's very Thoros, at least before Thoros. Sob, poor Thoros. Uh, You know, religious little chubby, once happy. He's just like, me for real, minus the religion. Dang. We love Friar Tuck Thoros. And then you have, for Tom of Seven Streams, Alan Adale, the roaming minstrel character. Very much match-up. And Gilbert Whitehand and Angai, I think, are very similar. They're both skilled archers, and they win archery contests. And I was thinking about who Lem Lemoncloak would be, and I think Little John might be a good comparison, because they both have, like, semi- mm. Not, I mean, not ironic, I guess, for Lem, but they have little, like, silly names. Lem Lemon Cloak. He's named for his cloak, but he's also probably in disguise. He's not who he says he is, maybe, right? And then Little John is small. He's actually small instead of big, a misnomer. You know, they both almost have misnomers. Uh, but Little John is Robin Hood's lieutenant, and later stories kind of depict him as a huge man who joins the band after fighting Robin with quarterstaves over a river. Gendry kind of becomes the tinker. You know, the the mender and tinker of the group. And Hot Pie is almost like the cook or firepan, but he's not known as a fighter. But, you know, uh, everybody kind of fits in into the little merry band of men that stay there around the inn at the crossroad. You get the picture. And hot take, I was talking to my roommate about who would be Maid Marian in this situation. I was like, ha ha ha, Mother Merciless. And we were like, oh, that's horrifying hmm. as a Maid Marian character. But I was thinking maybe a better version of the retelling. But I actually, hot take, think Brienne is the Maid Marian of the group. Interesting. And not in the romantic interest, right? Because she's known as Robin Hood's romantic interest. But originally, she actually, and this gets a little Mary Magdalene, right? Uh, she was separate from the Robin Hood tradition. She was in the medieval French play hmm. Jo de Robin et Marianne telling the story of a shepherdess named Marion and a knight named Robin, unrelated to Robin Hood completely. Like, straight up, the canons just got crossed at one point uh, because the medieval archetype of Marion becomes associated with English and Scottish May Day festivities and then later into Robin Hood. And she becomes the protagonist of the ballad Robin Hood and Maid Marion and appears in other stories like Robin Hood and Queen Catherine and Robin Hood's Golden Prize. But in the original Maid Marion tale, she joins the Merry Men after getting into a fight with Robin both in disguise, but in Victorian literature, Marion was actually portrayed as a passive noblewoman and Robin's love interest. Huh. And then later on, kind of 20th century, she gets portrayed as a cross-dressing tomboy and a skilled fighter. Uh, like the 1952 film, The Story of Robin Hood and His Merry Men, the TV series Robin of Sherwood, and the 91 Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. So maybe that's more of a meta on our society and culture and what's kind of changed with how we portray characters. But uh, even in the comedy, the, it's a kids' comedy TV series, Maid Marian and Her Merry Men, she's the leader of the group. 
And lastly, in 06, we had the Robin Hood series. She is working as a double agent, providing Robin with crucial information about the sheriff. So lots of fun little uh, tropes going on, whether they're associated with that medieval archetype or later in our media. But I could see Brienne as the Maid Marian of the group, especially after Feast. I think that's, yeah, that's a really interesting idea. and. Yeah, I mean, like, the whole idea of Maid Marian is this very passive noblewoman and being reduced to Robin Hood's love interest, right? It's it's a medievalism, perhaps. Yeah, I'd love to talk to Shiloh on that. Story. Yeah, and, you know, you erased another famous retelling of Robin Hood, the 2018 movie starring Taryn Egerton. And I don't think anyone watched this movie, uh, uh, other than me. Unfortunately, I, I forgot how I Marion's depiction was. I did. I I, I liked Aaron Egerton. Um, I mean, Ben Mendelsohn as the uh, sheriff is fucking inspired. To be fair, I love him in that. I actually forgot the rest of the movie, so <laughs> might not have been that good. Isn't but Jamie also, Fox I, you know, in it? Yes, <laughs> and yes. I think um, good on the guy from Once Upon a Time who plays the the sheriff in Once Upon a Time. Who is he? Yeah. Um, Dornan. Jamie Dornan. Isn't he Fifty Shades of Grey guy? Yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey guy. Mm, I don't know. I think of him as Once Upon a Time guy, but I think he was in it too. I, I have watched it once, so same, you're not alone. Same. But yeah, I wonder how like Rian would come back in, but we got two more books for that. I <laughs> guess we know. Should they literally approach her at the very end to an extent? Kind of. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Anything could really happen. <sighs> Anyways, all of them are watching Arya, and she knows that they'll take the horses no matter what. She decides she doesn't want paper. She wants the boat outside and wants them to teach her how to sa- sail it. Yeah, teach the kids to drive cars. The men all grin for a moment and laugh. Arya wants to scream at them, but instead she smiles a little until Gendry shouts that riders are coming, slamming into the room, saying that they're soldiers, a dozen of them. Charna tells them, that's no cause to spill ale and to chill out and eat some rabbit. They're with the king's men now. They'll be kept safe. Yeah, I love this, like, change, this sudden change, right? That the kids are the scared ones and the adults are like, eh, it's fine. Eh, it's fine. And then you look at what, like, the fourth book when there are riders in Brienne's plot and it's not great. These are bad riders. You know, the safety is gone. So the brotherhood here mm. is still, like, young and happy and innocent and oh no one can take our land. Oh. Womp womp yeah. womp. Arya reaches for her sword, but Lem grabs her wrist, saying, Ah, we'll have no more of that, twisting her arm until <laughs> her hand opens. Arya realizes it's happening again. Ugh. Like it did with Chiswick, oh. Raph the Mountain. They're going to take their weapons away. They're going to turn her into a mouse again. She smashes him Trauma. in the face with a tankard. Go, girl. Busting his nose, splashing ale into his eyes, screaming run. But Lem has her very quickly, very easily, dangling her while blood runs down his face. Gendry moves to help, but Tom blocks him with a dagger, and it's too late to flee. The sound of men's voices echo in at the door where a Tyroshi man, bigger than Lem, enters, and behind him a pair of crossbowmen helping a wounded man in. Behind them is the most ragged band of men Arya's ever seen, but nothing's ragged about the weapons they carry. As they enter, they stare at her curiously, but no one really says anything about the small child being hoisted in the air and the fight that they're Hmm. obviously breaking up. 
Behind them comes another archer, a spearman in a lion helm, an old man with a limp, a bravo cell sword, and Harwin? Beyonce? Whom's? Harwin? Beyonce. <laughs> Harwin? Under the beard and the tangled hair was the face of Holin's son, who used to lead her pony around the yard, ride at Quintain with John and Rob and drink too much on feast days. He was thinner, harder somehow, and at Winterfell he had never worn a beard, but it was him, her father's man. Harwin! Squirming, she threw herself forward, trying to wrench free of Lem's iron grip. It's me! Harwin, it's me! Don't you know me, don't you? The tears came, and she found herself weeping like a baby, just like some stupid little girl. Harwin, it's me! Harwin's eyes went from her face to the flayed man on her doublet. How do you know me? he said, frowning suspiciously. The flayed man. Who are you, some serving boy to Lord Leech? For a moment, she didn't know how to answer. She'd had so many names. Had she only dreamed Arya Stark? I'm a girl. I was Lord Boland's cupbearer, but he was going to leave me for the goat. So I ran off with Gendry and Hot Pie. You have to know me. You used to lead my pony when I was little. His eyes went wide. Gods be good, he said in a choked voice. Arya Underfoot, Lem, let go of her. She broke my nose. Lem dumped her unceremoniously to the floor. Who in the seven hells is she supposed to be? The Hand's daughter. Harwin went to one knee before her. Arya Stark of Winterfell. Scene. Scene. Sobbing, screaming, crying up. Finally, she found someone she could trust. You know, it was... No. Um, and honestly, you evoked something for me to understand, like, how she must have been feeling. Because first of all, A-plus um, Usagi subtitle voice from the 90s you really channeled your inner baby there i was like oh my god Mm -mm. she's so sad yeah you're babu uh sweet babu but i I mean it is like she finally chose someone to trust because she couldn't trust she didn't know who to tell and here she is finally she's like harwin i can trust harwin absolutely it's actually it is very emotional right there's a lot of fucking emotional scenes in Arya's chapters my god Mm -hmm. she's just a wee bab it, it makes sense, right? Like, so, first of all, like, this is happening at an inn. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Catelyn, you know, calling on people mm. to swear she reveals her identity. Yes. It wasn't really her choice to do that. But this is an identity reveal and someone swearing nonetheless. But a lot of this chapter we see, like, from the beginning, it's about Arya becoming hardened. She's like, fuck it, I'm gonna just have to kill them. If, if we see them, I'm just gonna have to kill them. It's the only way. She's wishing for more weapons, her protection she's like i should really learn to use a bow is that like her being like i should use this. learn to use a gun i don't know wanting to steal boats aka cars and like you know just really really going all in on that and for just a second finally finally as you said like there's a friendly face from her childhood and she can she can be a little girl again she is fucking crying when was the last time we saw Arya cry yeah that's true. She holds it back. She, like, even two chapters ago in Bolton's Solar, right? In the Solar at Hall, she's like, she holds it back even though she wants to cry so badly when she hears that Brienne yeah, and Rick and are right. dead. But she holds it in and she tells herself to be calm as still water. And she finally, for a moment, is allowed to be a little girl and cry for the first time in forever. Not the song from Frozen. Try getting that out of your head, though. Yeah. Sorry. Finally, for a moment, she gets to ditch that survival 
that th- you know that moment that they're all at the door going, "Well, there's riders coming. We're gonna die." She feels safe. She can be safe yeah. a little. And and it makes her very vulnerable, right? Like on one hand, there's the vulnerability of being revealed as nobility, but also very emotionally vulnerable. Yeah, very emotionally. She's had to pretend to be like a hardened boy and like no one's gonna get one over on me. So sometimes it's oh, okay Arya. to just be vulnerable. You know, sometimes we want to be vulnerable. Sometimes you wanna be as soft as like marshmallow yeah. fluff, you know? That's you know it's the experience. Yeah, I love marshmallows. Oh, that sounds yeah. great. I love a marshmallow. Hot pie, hot pie. He's he's a great example of softness, but like we love him for that. Yeah. <gasps> I enjoy our uh, troubled children every week with you. I'm really worried about these kids. I, I really think they got a lot of I moxie am. that they're going to make it through. Hot Pie has an incredible baking career ahead of him. I hear he's going to be on Great Westerosi Bake Off next week, so tune in. Mm-hmm. And not just a great baking career, maybe also a mixtape coming out. It's called an EP. No, I'm just kidding. It's called a playlist nowadays. I don't even know. Like, what are they called? This is his TikTok snippet thing. <laughs> So, <laughs> oh man. Well, we will return next week for you with Aria 3. I think we'll probably close out Aria 4 for uh, you know, the year. I believe that's our guess. Oh, yeah, wow. we're going to hit Aria 4 before the year's up and hopefully next week we will have a little bit more for you on our holiday schedule. We will be out a couple weeks. Uh, we should probably have some episodes going up, courtesy of our patrons. They sponsor a lot of episodes over there, and we're stealing some from the patron vault at some point to bring to you. So get excited. You're like the brotherhood. You're going to get a taste yeah. of the action, stealing from our patrons to give to you. <laughs> yeah, and if you want to keep up with that holiday schedule, you can by following us on social media. You can follow us at twitter.com slash girlsgonecanon, that's C-A-N-O-N, or also find us on blue sky which we also keep updated and we will get to your emails but if you want to send us some for example mourning the loss of men gone canon you can at girls gone canon at gmail.com it turns out the email was already taken so i'm just kidding i'm just kidding yeah oh was it we should try we should should really try well coming back to our patrons thanks to them we have all sorts of episodes and you can find those episodes on a streaming platform near you or i'm gonna let the patrons take it away let them drop on in and tell you where you can find them you can catch girls gone canon on any of the following streamers on podbean itunes google play stitcher acast spotify overcast apple podcast iHeartRadio, audible and amazon podcasts You can also join us on Patreon, where if you join the Thunder tier above, you have access to a Discord and monthly happy hours and things like that. And by joining the Discord, you get access to a bunch of great channels, including but not limited to memes and shitposting channel, Fashion Hour. There are multiple channels for historic materials, A Song of Ice and Fire. There's a Pets channel, which I think is probably the most important channel of all. Respectful Thirsting because there's a channel for that. Come by, join the community. It's a lot of fun and you won't regret it.
Well, that's a wrap on Arya 2 in a Storm of Swords, and soon to be a wrap on 2023 with you all. Uh, I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I've been another one of your hosts, Eliana. We'll be time traveling to a platform near you next week. Yeah, just like all of you traveling again through time with us, like Hot Pie and Gendry together with Arya. Yeah, that is exactly how it is. Goodbye. Goodbye.